Hello, and welcome to the My Messy Church podcast. Each week, we'll be going through your questions from the weekend services and doing our best to present answers from a biblical perspective. If you haven't yet listened to the weekend sermon, I want to encourage you to head over to curtislake.org backslash media for context of what we will be discussing today. We love getting your questions and cannot wait to grow together. So without further ado, let's dive into My Messy Church. Well, hello, friends. Uh, Welcome to another episode of My Messy Church. We uh, are looking at questions from this past weekend and um, and nowhere near as many as last week. Uh, so this podcast should be a little shorter, uh, but some good questions and looking forward to uh, looking forward to getting through them. All right. So the first one that we had, um, the question is, it sounds as though you are suggesting that maturity and humility go hand in hand. Yes. Question mark. Um, well, I don't know if I suggested that or not. I, I don't, I don't have any real time understanding of exactly when this question was written in relation to what I was suggesting. But, um, uh, I do think that it. uh, I think, I do think you can make a case that, that, um, like as a person matures, there's going to be, um, a development in their, in, in humility, right? Like they're going to grow more humble. Uh, the opposite could certainly be said as well, right? When a person is, is immature. Uh, there's a there there's a tendency to have a lack of humility. Uh, we might we might talk about uh, this comes up, you know, as a just you know a, a funny thing that parents of kids uh, and parents of teenagers seem to know and like talk about when they're commiserating with one another, and you know that is th- this idea that like, kids know everything, right? Especially you know, kids get to a place where they're really becoming keen on, uh, different things that are going on, uh, around them and in the world, right. They, they, they're, they're like sponges, they're absorbing, uh, all kinds of, all kinds of things. And, and they're the, the degree to which they're opinionated starts to increase as they get older and older. And so sometimes that can come across as being uh, pretty, like, kind of like a know-it-all. Right. And so, uh, it, it's easy to see, it's easy to connect how a kind of immaturity, uh, could go with a lack of humility. You know, this idea, it's like, well, you know, I know everything. And here you are as a person that might be 20, 30, 40 years older, uh, having the benefit of a lot of experience and maybe even remembering a time where, yeah, you know, I kind of used to see things that way too. And then, uh, through, uh, just living, uh, through life, I, I learned that I didn't quite know everything. And so there, there is a, there is a sense that I think maturing people have, uh, where they'll, they might describe the experience of, um, something like, you know, the, the older I get, the less I know. Right. And, and, and that, that sort of saying, I think goes along with this. It's, uh, I used to, I used to think I, I, I had all the answers that I knew it all, but as time goes on, as I grow up, uh, as I, end up with a, 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 a more comprehensive perspective of things rather than just the tunnel vision, uh, uh, that I, that maybe I once had, uh, through the experience of being in life and relationship with, with other people and hearing other voices, things like that. Yeah. I, I've actually discovered, I, 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 I don't think I know quite as much as I thought I once knew. And so, 
uh, that can manifest in uh, a uh, actual uh, um, degree of uh, of humility. So yeah, I think I think maturity and humility often do go hand in hand. Next question is, how can one balance their spiritual life with their time spent growing in their biblical knowledge? So this past Sunday, I was making the case that, and, and you can see that you could you could visit a lot of university campuses uh, throughout the world, right, and and find find people who are professors of you know certain religious studies who have an incredible. Uh, and vast knowledge set of all things Bible. I mean, there's uh, there there are people that that know far more about the Bible than I do, and yet they would, in Paul's mind, they would be perhaps described as spiritually uh, unalive. Right? That uh, it's one thing to it's one thing to know what what the Bible contains in the way of information. Right? It's one thing to to gain knowledge about what the Bible says, but it's a whole thing altogether to surrender your life to Jesus and to, uh, to embrace the cross, right? To come to Jesus in humility and brokenness and recognize the, the degree to which you need that you desperately need a savior. And, and so, and, and until that point, there's a, there's a spiritual deadness that every single one of us is subject to, right? Be, uh, until we, actually become spiritually alive, we are spiritually dead. And so while uh, we may have a cognitive level of, of biblical information, that information may just be that. It may just be information as opposed to like life-changing, life-altering uh, words and truth and meaning that, that, that we assimilate into our lives when we have been, when we have been made alive by God. God's spirit. And so uh, the point I think was just to, to, that I was trying to make was God intends for us to become spiritually minded people. Uh, That is something other than worldly minded people, people that are just uh, whose, whose minds are, are, are preoccupied with like the material aspects uh, of our world, of our universe and of our lives, right? To, to move beyond, and this is kind of simplifying, but to move beyond just the regular, ordinary, everyday appetites of our lives, uh, the appetites to, 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 to rest uh, and to sleep when we're tired, to eat when we're hungry, to drink when we're thirsty, uh, you know, just following some of the more uh, base level animalistic instincts that we have with regard to our lives. Like we're, we're, we're so much more than that. The way in which we've been created and the, the gifts that we possess as human beings, the, the very fact that we all bear the image of God, uh, in our being, there's, there's a, a spiritual dimension to us. That's quite different from the rest of creation. And so, uh, while there's a, there's a time in each of our lives where, 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 where our spirits are in a state of deadness because of our sin and our separation to God, there is the potential for all of us to experience new life in Christ, right? That, that what Jesus brings to us when we embrace him and receive his invitation to come into his kingdom is we, we, we be, we're made spiritually alive. And it's almost like, you know, the light bulb goes on spiritually speaking and, and, all of a sudden, where uh, there's a, a kind of illumination uh, in our in our hearts and our minds toward spiritual things, 
And so this kind of goes along with the, the premise for the whole message, which is that there are some things that only spiritually minded people can know. Uh, until you're made spiritually alive, there are things that you can't reckon. Uh, you can't you can't quite understand the implication of the crucified Christ. You can't quite understand the implication of the cross. You can't quite understand or embrace in in a in a saving way the truth of the resurrection of Jesus, right? And other spiritual matters like that. But when you when you, when you're when you're made alive, when you're uh, when you're when your spirit is resurrected, um, now you now you can now you can see things differently than you had before. Now, when it comes to biblical knowledge, this is not an unimportant part or an unimportant pursuit of our lives. What we ought to do as Christians is seek to grow in our knowledge of what God's word says to us, right? And it's uh, for the very reason that we believe and hold that God's word reveals his truth to us. And so uh, uncovering what God has revealed to us, learning, assimilating it, uh, building it into our, in, 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 into our, our mental processes, um, the way in which we think, the way in which we see the world, uh, that's an important feature of what it means to be growing as a Christian. So it's not just gaining knowledge for knowledge sake so that we can put ourselves in a place where it's like, Hey, look how much I know, right? If, 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 if we're constantly trying to project toward other people, how much information, how much knowledge we have, it, it, that, that, that doesn't really do a whole lot of good people. There may be some that are impressed, but most people are, most people are going to be unimpressed by that. However, if we're, if we're living spiritually, right, if we are, uh, if if the the spiritual part of our uh, of ourselves together with our our increased experience and knowledge uh, of God's word if it's moving us in a direction toward where we're becoming more like Jesus and and acting more in a way like Jesus acted uh treating others more in a way like Jesus treated others well then now you have something now now you're now you're looking at something that really can make a difference so yeah i, I think that balance is very important Uh, next question is, does the song I speak Jesus suggest that saying quote unquote, Jesus alone can bring healing? If so, is that supported by the Bible? If not, what is the message of the song? So this past week, as, as we've done in some other weeks, uh, this is a song that we sang as part of our, uh, our, our worship experience. And, uh, it, it, it from all I understand, it's a pretty popular song. I, I you hear it a lot. I think if you're listening to the radio or uh, you might find a lot of other churches uh, kind of singing it. So I'm just going to pull up the lyrics here because the question is, uh, it, <laughs> it's a really good question. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that there's at least one person out there that's uh, not just singing a song, but uh, considering the the lyrics, the message of what's being said and 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 trying to determine, it's like, okay, is this is this song even portraying, you know, actual biblical truth or is it, is it just a cool song? Cause let's be honest, it's a cool song. It's a, you know, the song sounds great. Uh, it's fun to sing. It sounds beautiful. Um, you know, especially with the particular people in our church that are singing and playing, uh, the song. So, uh, let's see. The first verse says, I just want, I just wanna, I just wanna, uh, I love that. <laughs> I just, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. 
because I know there's peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break, declaring there's hope and there's freedom. I speak Jesus. Uh, the chorus says, because your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. It is not lost on me that there's probably people that wish I had sung this instead of just uh, <laughs> instead of just articulated the lyrics. But given that this is recorded and could forever be used against me, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so I will spare you. Uh, I'll, I'll spare you the pain of that. All right. Anyway, the question. Uh, so does does the song suggest that saying Jesus alone can bring healing? Uh, so this is this is a really good question. And so kind of let's let let's get into the the way that some people have you know sometimes thought about or that do think about the name of Jesus when it comes to like leveraging that name in particular uh, in, in prayer, right. And in seeking God, because I think that there are, I, I think there is a strain of belief that, that, that almost treats the name of Jesus as if it were a magic word, right? Like it's, you know, all I have to do is like proclaim the name of Jesus and, you know, and, uh, lay hands on somebody and pray for them and pray in the name of Jesus. And, and, you know, if I do that with, with, with real faith, then that person is going to be healed. And that's, first of all, that is not biblical. Uh, there is, there's, there's nothing in the biblical literature, uh, that would suggest that Jesus's name can be leveraged as, you know, an abracadabra kind of, uh, mantra, just speak the name of Jesus and boom, you know, every problem is resolved. Um, every, Every disease is healed. Every addiction starts to break. I hope that's not what the message of the song uh, is intending to say, uh, because, yeah, like I said, that that's that's not <laughs> that, that that wouldn't be accurate. When it comes to the name of Jesus, though, I mean there 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 is something there's something powerful about the name of Jesus because uh, when you when you think about the the way that the Bible handles names, like you'll find that names are really important, right? You read read through the Old Testament, and and you'll find that in the narratives, a, per, a, a a child is born, and the child is named, and then the meaning of the name is given, and it's given for the for the purpose that it points to something significant about you know, who that person will become or some experience that person may have, or perhaps the person is named in the context of something that is going on as sort of a, um, uh, a, um, a mark, a, a, a recognition of, of what that, what that particular event, uh, may be. And so names are, names are really important, right? And, and the names of God, uh, God reveals himself, with various names or uh, people, they attribute names to God through their experience uh, of who he is. And so the name of Jesus is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something to be considered, right? And so in, in, in thinking about this question, I mean, one of the things that just comes to mind is the, 
um, the idea of, you know, God's salvation for us, right? So throughout, throughout scripture, God is revealing his redemptive plan for our salvation. That is, uh, how am I going to take a people who need to be saved and save them? And so God proves himself a saving kind of God throughout the narrative. Uh, of the Old Testament, throughout the narrative of God's people, the nation of Israel, right? God's constantly coming to their rescue, coming to their salvation. And so uh, there's a, there, in, in looking forward to the uh, the incarnation, the arrival of Jesus in this world, there, there, there is this promise uh, made that um, you know that a Messiah would come, and there's this sense that that the role of the Messiah is to come and save his people, right? That he's he's the anointed one. He is the coming king who will bring salvation to his people, and so and, and so and Jesus's name itself, like it carries that significance and so anyway i you know i was just i was, I was thinking about uh, something like the verse that says uh, whoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved and so when we think about the name of jesus the first thing that i think should come to mind is just the reality that jesus is the one who saves us like that's what he does as the, the part of his function as our messiah as our king uh, is that he saves us that's why we we call him that we call him savior and Lord, right? He is, he's both of those things. He is uh, the one who saves me, and he is the one that uh, lives as Lord of my life. So when it comes to the, uh, the various circumstances that either I find myself in or the circumstances that I may, uh, I may encounter in, in the lives of other people, there's this idea that you know when I look at a person who is sick, uh, who's dealing with you know, some kind of infirmity or disease, uh, very, very serious or maybe not so serious, right? And we, and, and we come together and we pray regarding that disease. What we're doing is we're, we're making a request of God that God would heal that person. And, 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 and we, we sort of, um, like we, we ask for that healing with, a thought toward the name of Jesus who saves us, right? The fact that um, contained within the being of who God is, there is saving power, that God can save a person who has been diagnosed with a terminal illness and heal that person completely from that terminal illness. What we have to disconnect is this idea that, you know, it's it's the leveraging of the... Um, the magical name of Jesus that makes that happen, right? Like that's, that's not right. That's not quite right. What is right though, is though resting in the saving power uh, of who Jesus is. And, and the reality that when a person, let's say, uh, like, let's just use the lyrics of the song here, right? Uh, a person who is suffering uh, uh, a, uh, some particular, addiction, right? That they haven't, they haven't been able to break. That just really seems to have a grip and a hold on their lives. I mean, the reality is Jesus does possess the power to break the power of that addiction, to set that person free. And so, uh, you know, part of what we're doing in the declaration of this song, I think is just recognizing that again, no, not, you know, 
I said the J word. And so therefore poof, the, the addiction has to, has to go away. It's more, I, I am my, my trust, my faith is set and established in the power of the savior who can do this thing. Right. And so, um, and, and the name of Jesus is associated with the being of who Jesus is. And, and, and so his name is in that sense, his name is power. His name is healing. His name is life right? Through his name, strongholds are broken down, shadows uh, are illuminated, right? God's love burns in our hearts and lives like a fire. And so, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I, I like the song. I think it's, uh, I think it's good. I think it's also good to, um, to question it. Hopefully, um, hopefully that brings a little, a uh, little insight into uh, at least the way I look at it. All right. Great question. Uh, next question is, when you speak of the Spirit of God, are you speaking of the Spirit of God the Father or the Holy Spirit? Uh, so if I'm speaking of the Spirit of God, I am also at the same time talking about the Holy Spirit because they are one and the same. Uh, so, you know, certainly we didn't get into it on Sunday morning, but um, the I did make the statement that, uh, you know, in, in the verses that we were studying, you know, Paul talks about the spirit of God and how he searches the depths of God, right? He knows the spirit of God knows um, the very, the, you know, intimate thoughts and, and, and even the very being of um, this, this, this person that we call God. And the reason for that is because the spirit of God is himself God. Uh, and so this is kind of borne out in the doctrine of the Trinity, uh, which the, the Christian faith holds as like, this is how we understand the being of God. That is that he is, God is one, right? God is one being. He's one in essence, right? There's not, there's not multiple gods. There's not two gods, three gods, or a million gods. There's one God, but that one God, while, um, while he is, there's a singularity about who that God is. He actually uh, eternally exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these are not to be understood as parts of who God is. That is that, you know, the Father is one-third of God, and Jesus is one-third of God, and then the Holy Spirit is uh, one-third of God. Um, but rather that each, uh, each one, each person is fully and completely God. Uh, so God is one, and yet God exists as three persons. And there's something really beautiful about this, um, uh, this, this diversity within the unity, uh, for one thing. And there's, I don't think, you know, any, any other kind of religious understanding or philosophical understanding of who God is. I don't think, I don't think anyone else quite holds this view, um, that, that God is eternally within his being, um, he is he is a a relational being that is that he always possesses the characteristic the full characteristic of relationality uh you know some and, and, and I, this is kind of sidetracking but you know people ask the questions like well what did god do before he ever created anything right or have the thought that the reason why god created the universe and why god created us is because he was bored right there was nothing around and so now we serve as a, a means of of entertainment or fulfillment for him that essentially without the universe, without human beings, God would still be just kind of like this, this thing in the void of 
of nothingness. Uh, but that's not who God is. God is actually uh, fully complete and satisfied in and among himself, right? Because there is eternal relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's infinite, right? There's no beginning. It, he's from everlasting to everlasting. Uh, and while we can't really quite comprehend things like affinity um, uh, of no beginning, of no end, uh, we can't quite grasp the concept of uh, eternity. Uh, that, like, that's just, the, that's the reality of who God is. There's no start there's no start date of when God came into being. He just always has been. He always will be. And so when God created the universe, he did that as an expression of his relational love, not because he needed something to do. Um, he, he doesn't depend on us to, to give him a sense of fulfillment and self-being like you and I might experience that kind of thing in our world. It's like if we um, if it, some of us, we go to a job every day because it gives us a sense of purpose and of, 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 um, of belonging, right? Uh, we're, we're part of uh, a company that's, you know, doing some particular thing, or we, or we're part of a church again, it gives us a, a sense of community, sense of belonging, those kinds of things. Uh, we, we seek and we crave those things because we reflect the image of God and the fact that we are relational as well. Um, like God is so, yeah. A anyway, uh, that, that's that, that those are some aspects of the Trinity. And so, uh, when you, when, when you come across, the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit in Scripture; um, th those things are synonymous. They're one and the same. Different from what we talk about when we're talking about the human spirit. Uh, so when we're talking about human beings, uh, human beings are actually comprised of multiple parts. Uh, so in the most simplistic way, we could say a human being is material and immaterial. Right? There's the the visible. Uh, physical part of who we are, and then there's the immaterial part of who we are. So physically, I have a body, right? And so this body exists in time and space. Uh, it has certain limitations. Uh, it, it, I, I can't, I can't just, I can't walk through a wall uh, without destroying the wall or hurting myself. Uh, but like, I, I have, I have real tangible physicality, and then I also have. There's an immaterial part of me, right? That's that's. Uh, uh, so I'm not, uh, when we talk about something like the human mind, uh, there, uh, there may be those who say, okay, well, the mind is just simply, um, you know, the, 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 the results of the chemical processes and reactions that are happening within the brain, right? Like it's still associated with the physicality of the brain. Uh, but, uh, most people have, most people agree that like, no, the mind, the the mind is something other than that. The mind is something different from just simply the the uh, the intangible part of the physical expression of the brain, our soul, our spirit, right? Those immaterial parts of us. Uh, so anyway, when it comes to our spirit, the reality that we have been created uh, as not just physical, but also at the same time, spiritual beings, it, it's, it's, it's that spiritual part of us that gives us the potential of actually uh, of being in a relationship with God, of experiencing God, right? It is our spirit that communes with his spirit because of course he is a spiritual being. And so you'll find, you'll, you'll find in scripture, the human spirit being talked about as well as the spirit, the Holy spirit, the spirit of God. Uh, next question is, I wonder if spiritual maturity can be obtained without the knowledge and understanding of the Bible. Uh, it's a good question. So, I would never, I would never want to suggest that, that there's anything unimportant about 
growing in our knowledge and understanding of the Bible. In fact, I think that as a Christian, it is incumbent on us to pursue to the greatest degree we possibly can an increasing and growing knowledge uh, of God's word and a growing understanding of God's word. And so we ought to have disciplines in our lives that enable us to, to do that. For one, we should be we should be reading the Bible alone, right? There, we the the, the, the scripture should uh, it, 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 it should intersect the routine of our lives where we spend time reading scripture. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. You know, some people just you know read it very systematically. You know, start at the beginning, kind of work their way through the end. Uh, some people read it um, in in you know, in various chunks, like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to read through the gospels or I'm going to read this gospel, or I'm going to read this gospel over and over and over again. Um, some people leverage devotionals that have been created to, uh, they kind of, they, oftentimes they'll just sort of jump around, you know, all over the Bible and, and highlight, you know, various things. And it's a lot of, a lot of different ways to do it, but yeah, I think that in order to actually grow in our spiritual maturity, we have to be growing in our understanding of what God has spoken to us, right? I mean, if, if I'm not if I'm not actually learning more and more and growing in my understanding of what God has revealed to me, what God has said, he, you know, like here, the, this this is for you. Um, uh, uh, this is going to this is going to help you to grow in your understanding of who I am. It's going to help you grow in your understanding of who you are. It's going to help you grow in your understanding of how the world is, right? And and it's going to help you grow in your understanding of you know your real eternal purpose. It's going to help you to be more assured of the the the, the invaluable worth that you have um, and the uh, the unconditional love that I have for you, right? So like, God has revealed all this stuff to us, and if we just ignore him and and, and don't we don't engage it, then, I mean, how can we actually be growing more spiritually mature? The, the reality is if we're not doing that, there's a really good chance that we're probably doing the opposite. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we may be, we may be assimilating other kinds of, uh, uh, thoughts, reflections, data, uh, and, and things that may actually go against what God has revealed to us without the ability to actually discern uh, truth from error, right from wrong, darkness from light, right? And so if we want to have the ability to do that things, to 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 maturely wade through uh, all of the various kinds of information that we're constantly experiencing, right? I mean, think about like every day we're just inundated with all kinds of input, streams of consciousness that are being um, sort of force fed into our, into our minds and into our spirits. It's like, well, what do you, what do we do with all that? Especially when, you know, so many of those streams of conf, uh, of, of consciousness are actually in conflict with one another. Like, how do you wade through that? Well, one of the things that we have is, uh, we have, we have something like God's revelation to us as found in scripture that provides a, a way of, of, of reckoning and sorting through, um, you know, all the other stuff. And so, yes, if I want to be spiritually mature, I, I need to grow in my knowledge and my understanding of that again. Uh, and this kind of goes back to a, a similar question asked previously, what I have to guard against is just growing in knowledge for the sake of knowledge. I mean, you, every one of us has experienced what it's like to be in a room with a know-it-all, right. Who's just, 
the, they're, they're showing off to everybody else that's in the room because of how vast their knowledge is, you know, and it's, and, and nobody, nobody, nobody enjoys being around, uh, that kind of person. And, and, uh, unfortunately, you know, Christians have been the subjects of, you know, exactly this kind of attitude. It's like, you know, look how much I know and look how, uh, look how well I can articulate the truth and, um, and, and actually do it in a way that is, it's, it's, it can be demeaning. Uh, it can be very unloving. It can betray a, an utter lack of empathy for another person. And so, um, and, and, and I would say it actually demonstrates a lack of understanding and knowledge of the Bible, right? Because it's, it's chances are to, to, to be that way means that you're, 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 you're accepting, you know, certain parts of what God has revealed to us through the, his truth, but you're, you're dismissing, rejecting, or ignoring, you know, other parts of it. This is why we see, like, read through, um, uh, read through like the prophetic literature of the old Testament, um, uh, these prophets that come up and, and then uh, they, they rail against the injustices of, um, of the nations. They rail against the injustices uh, being committed even by God's people. What they're doing is they're pointing out how far people have come away from uh, from the, the 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 true and pure expression of religious faith and devotion to God. Right? They've they've departed from that. They've they've proven themselves unfaithful because of the the way like how unjustly they're living toward toward their neighbor. How unjustly they're living toward um, you know some particular. Uh, you know, vulnerable, marginalized person. Like they're not caring for the 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 orphan. They're not uh, they're not demonstrating hospitality toward the stranger. They're taking advantage of one another. They're using uh, false scales, right, and bad um, bad bounds. They're 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 cheating and lying to one another, right? Like, and so all this injustice that that their their society is is just rife with. It, it, the reality is they have, they have a blind eye toward it. It's like they can't even see anymore just how far they are from what is God's ideal for how we ought to live with one another. And so, um, and, and so we, need, we, we need a prophetic voice in our lives that will point that out, speak to us, and give us the opportunity to see that and to turn from it. So, uh, yeah, grow in your... Growing your knowledge and understanding of the Bible as much as you can. I, I should say, I mean, I, I, I was making the point that we need to be reading it alone. We should, uh, we should just be careful not to only read it alone, right? If you only read it by yourself and you don't bring what it is that you're learning and, 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 and starting to understand, if you don't bring that into community, then there's a really good chance that, it can, that the actual truth can get distorted away from, uh, from what it really is, right? And so we need... We need to hear the voices of others uh, and and hear the insight of others. This is this is part of the reason why we go to church and and you know listen to you know listen to somebody preach a sermon or why we listen to a podcast or why we read through a commentary uh, or a book that is providing a perspective on you know some particular piece of scripture, right? Because those voices you know together they they help create I, I think probably a better composite of what. Uh, the truth actually is. Uh, I know you say that the critic 
should be the person to initiate a change in the church, but can you not, can you not want to see change without being the leader of change? Um, so, so I had, I had mentioned that, you know, one, one way in which we show a lack of spiritual maturity is we be, we become the kind of Christian who sits in a church and just simply criticizes and complains about whatever, you know, and I, I think I use the example of, um, uh, the person that feels like the church isn't doing enough uh, of, you know, enough of some particular thing. Like, let's say, you know, a person is, uh, they, 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 they think the church isn't doing a really good job in, uh, promoting, uh, you know, certain justices like, uh, like, like foster care, like adoptive care, um, uh, of, of, of recognizing that we have this, uh, this huge number of kids that are, uh, that are either displaced or are in situations that are very unhealthy and, and potentially very, very harmful. And there's no place for them to go, you know, in order to help things get sorted out because there aren't enough people willing to embrace. And it's like, okay, so now we're, now we're, we're talking about something that is, is certainly like, that's a, that's a viable point. Like if a church had the attitude, well, we don't, we don't care about that. Like that's, that's not at our front door. And so, uh, or we're going to pretend it's not at our front door. And so we're just gonna, uh, we're, we're not willing to engage, you know, kind of the mess and the struggle and the difficulty of what it means to really insert ourselves into that world, which not, we're just not going to do it. You know, we'd rather, um, we would rather just dress nicely and come to church and sing our seven songs and listen to the message and then, and then go home and, and enjoy our comfortable lives that don't intersect with this, this other reality, um, for so many. So if the, uh, the, uh, the point that I, that I was trying to make, it's like, if, if, if a person is only willing to criticize, um, and complain about it, but who himself or herself hasn't done anything, uh, then, you know, to, to, to insert themselves into the, you know, into that particular matter. Like that's where, that's where I, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's what I'd sort of call into question. It's not the, it's not like if there's a place to be critical, um, and, and there's a place to, and there is a, like, there is a legitimate complaint, then I'd say, like, I'd say, bring bring that on. Right. Like, um, I, I don't, I don't think that people who observe certain problems ought to just like be silenced and that there's no place, there's no forum, uh, for that. I, I mean, I hope, I hope that it, like in our church, we'd have the kind of culture would be, uh, encouraging the kind of culture where if somebody recognized that, all right, man, you know, there's this, there's this thing that's like kind of really lacking in our church that, that that person would feel comfortable enough to, to share that, uh, share that with somebody who's part of our leadership team, share it with me even. And hopefully whoever is having, gets in that conversation, hopefully we, we receive that and like, and try to discern. It's like, okay, you know, like what's going on here? Is this, is, is, is this an area that we need to, uh, that we need to address that, uh, that we need to figure out, like, have we, have we just ignored, you know, something that's really, really important and we need to, we need to stop ignoring it. We need to, and we need to do a better job. Like we're going to, we're, if we're honest, we're going to, we're going to have those kinds of experiences 
until Jesus returns, right? I mean, like we're not perfect. We're not we're not doing everything perfect. There's like I said, there is there is plenty to criticize and complain about. My my issue is with the person who's like that's it it, it the 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 complaint and the criticism comes more out of a desire to be a complainer. Um, it comes more out of a uh, more out of just the reality that. Uh, this person has a critical spirit and all they are concerned with is pointing out what is wrong and are not interested in helping figure out how to maybe make it right. So the question of like, does the person have to then lead the change? No, I, uh, of course not. Right. Not, not everybody is a leader. And I'm not even saying that, that, you know, that person shouldn't even be allowed to, you know, bring up something unless they're willing to, to fix it. You know, if, if, um, if a if if a parent comes up to me and says, "Hey, um, you know, I just I feel like over the last few weeks that you know my kids in the in the in the kids program and it's just it's it's it, 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 like they're the we need to do something like something needs to change. I I can't even think of what that would be, but like let's just say they're 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 quote unquote complaining or criticizing, um, what is the experience? You know, my kid doesn't like going or I, I don't feel like they're, they're not teaching the Bible in there. Let's just, let's make up an accusation. Like they're not, they're not teaching the Bible. My, a bad response on my part would be like, oh, well then if you want to see that change then you should go and be a volunteer in the kids department, you know, like that's, that, that's not what I mean that you have to then go in and fix it. And if you're not willing to go in and fix it, then don't bother bringing it up to me. No, I think there should be a lot of space for open, healthy dialogue that helps us become, uh, or or helps us becoming into becoming a you know a better a better church, a, a better a better representation of the body of Christ. Um, in, in that in that in each of us should consider very very, um, yeah, very seriously. Where, like where do we and how do we actually be a part of the body of Christ? How do we fulfill, you know, how do I fulfill my individual mandate to contribute to and to be a part uh, of this particular body? All right, great question. And last one, uh, do you believe that everything we need to know has been revealed? Uh, this might be wrong, uh, but... Yeah, um, I do. I believe that everything we need to know has been revealed. Yes, I would say everything we need to know has been revealed. Do we? Do I believe that everything I want to know has been revealed? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think there. I think there is. If we are first of all, if if I am if I am worshiping, if I am following a God of infinite proportion and magnitude, right? Like that is, there's, there's no exhausting the, the limits of his being because he is in fact limitless. Well, by that very definition, there are things, there would necessarily have to be things about God that I wouldn't understand or comprehend, right? That his heights ascend to something beyond what I can actually um, uh, uh, understand, comprehend, um, w the, like my capacity as a human being is very limited, very limited, like, um, in, in comparison to, to who God is. I mean, it's just, it, there, there's no, 
they're, they're not in the same ballpark. Right. And so are there things that, uh, are there, are there elements to the mystery of God that, that I don't know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so are there things that I might want to know? Of course. Yeah. I mean, there, there are, there are kinds of things that I think if, given the opportunity I want to know. I mean, who of us hasn't said the first time, first thing I'm going to do when I get to heaven is I'm going to ask God about, you know, such and such, right? It's like, whatever, whatever this big question is that you have, that you have not been able to sort out. Right. So we're all, we're all like desperate, uh, desperately seeking more, uh, who wouldn't, who wouldn't love to see more of the curtain kind of pulled back, um, and get insight into what we, we don't already know. But, uh, do we know everything we need to know? Yeah, I think part part of the doctrine of of scripture, uh, the doctrine of, of of the Bible that Christians have held uh, for you know, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years now, is that the revelation of God is full and complete. Uh, that is that uh, the what the thing that we call the Bible is a it, it is a um, it is a collection of writings that while it, it, those writings were written over a significantly long period of time and multiple authors uh, contributed to it, that there came a point where it was closed, right? That the, uh, that the, the writings of scripture, it's not an ongoing process. That is, I, I don't have my Bible and then I'm also now waiting for kind of the next thing that God wants to reveal to me. Like when we think about the way this thing, like where we're headed and the way this all ends, uh, if I could put it kind of simply, uh, you know, Jesus, he, like he, 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 he accomplished his work through the cross and the resurrection and he sent the Holy spirit into the world. Uh, to enable us, to give us the power to continue to proclaim his gospel and to carry on his work that he began during his earthly ministry. And so that's the, that's the state we find ourselves in. And what he's given us in, in along the indwelling of God's spirit, uh, right? Like, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm made into a, a living spiritual being, uh, and I have God's spirit living in uh, abiding in my life. So along with the gift of God's spirit, he's also given us the gift of his, um, of his word, um, his, what he has revealed to us through scripture. And, uh, and like I said, like that, that work is, is closed. And so like the next, the next big thing, uh, on the, the horizon of human history is not, uh, it's not, you know, part three of the Bible, like if you were going to call the old Testament part one and the new Testament part two, like we're not waiting for another, uh, big revelation of God. Uh, what we're waiting for is the return of Jesus, right? Which is talked about, talked through in scriptures. Um, that is the promise and the hope that we are anticipating and waiting for. And until, until which time Jesus returns in power and glory to establish his kingdom forever, until that time comes, we have been given what we need to know um, to carry on his work until his return is fully manifested. Um, so, yeah, uh, everything I want to know, no. Everything we need to know, yes, I would say yes to that. 
All right. Uh, that's all we have for today. Again, thanks so much for your questions. Looking forward to doing it again next week. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of My Messy Church. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to head to your app store and download the Curtis Lake Church app for easy access to all of our content. Thank you so much for joining us, and we can't wait to be with you next week.